Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio, where we'll talk about news, education, and opportunities for small businesses on the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street and in Washington, D.C. I'm Michelle Yancey. And I'm Kyle Todd. Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Hey, good morning, and welcome back to another episode of Rhode Island Avenue Radio. How's everyone doing this morning? Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Kyle. How are you? I am I am well. Um, we've got a fantastic guest joining us this morning um, that we will uh, dive right into here in a minute. But first, as always, we want to thank our sponsors, the Department of Small and Local Business Development and the Department of Housing and Community Development. It is their grant dollars to us that allows us to produce this show and to help small businesses up and down the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street Corridor. Um, so a big thanks to DSLBD and DHCD. I will hold off on the budget discussions because I already <laughs> said that once, and that takes up a good 30 minutes, and uh, we'll, it won't, you'll be hearing about it again to remind everybody to take part in the whole, the whole budget proceedings to make sure that we continue to get funded through DSLBD and THCD. Okay, see, I said I wasn't going to do it, and I did it anyway. Well, I mean, you have to put it out there. It is kind of important. It is important. It may not be... Uh, Sexy numbers aren't that sexy, but I mean, unless you get a lot of numbers, then, but, then it's very good. But you know what is sexy? What's that? It is sexy to exercise your rights as a citizen of the District of Columbia to take part in those proceedings. Very true. So it's important stuff. That's right. Okay, so I will stop talking about that for right now. Um, and, and the holidays are coming up. Um, by the time you're hearing this, we will have already had our procrastinators holiday market. I hope you came out and shopped and supported all of our uh, locally owned businesses are made in dc products like bailiwick shirts and hats the 202 mm-hmm. um branded stuff and um we uh we also uh, had republic restoratives dc brow and right proper out there to keep the holiday festivities going and of course santa claus and lots of other shopping and it's not too late to shop um locally made uh, i know zeke's has got some fantastic gift baskets and really, who doesn't love Zeke's coffee here on Rhode Island Avenue? Uh, and, they, and beyond. And beyond, mm. yes. And, uh, and they, they ship. Yeah. Uh, so if you, uh, if you have family, friends far away that you want to share the gift of Zeke's coffee, um, head over to Zeke'sCoffeeOfDC.com uh, to their website or stop by their store. They've got all kinds of fantastic um, gifts and, and um, gift baskets. To, to send to your friends and loved ones. Uh, and that's all up and down Rhode Island Avenue. You can find uh, all sorts of businesses offering up gift certificates, gift cards, uh, of course, great experiences, you know, dinner at Momo Yakitori mm-hmm. for, for coming up on the, you don't, you don't want to cook at home because you've already exhausted yourself with all the shopping and prep for the holidays. Um, at one of our locally owned restaurants and uh, enjoy a night out of, of taking care of yourself and feeding yourself well. Um, so um, let's, let's, I'm, I'm so excited to have this guest today. Uh, this is a, a longtime resident of the neighborhood um, and uh, local DC music scene celebrity, uh, Rusty Hassan. Welcome, Rusty. Well, thank you, Kyle. It's a real pleasure to be here. Real delight. Well, thanks. I, this is uh, 
This is a little early for you. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I do my uh, WPFW radio show Thursday nights from 10 until midnight. So I, I get home about 12.30. I'm still wired a little bit, you know, watch uh, the repeat of Rachel Maddow or something before I go to bed. Because that, <laughs> that's that relaxing. Actually, that, that <laughs> riles me up a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, that's very relaxing. <laughs> you know, with the ongoing uh, And then the nightmares dilemma. ensue. Absolutely. But, uh, no, it's absolutely a, a pleasure to be here because I'm so excited about uh, the whole concept of uh, community radio and, and what you're doing here and what you've accomplished uh, with, with the Rhode Island Avenue uh, projects that you've been involved with. Oh, uh, pshaw. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. 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 Um, and the check is in the mail. <laughs> right. So, uh, Rusty, you uh, you have been here in this neighborhood for uh, since 1972. Wow. You know, and, and uh, in fact, uh, one of the things that I guess I really want to promote since we're promoting <laughs> things <laughs> for the holidays is the new book DC Jazz. Uh, which I have a chapter in, and it was an outgrowth of a a project done about four or five years ago when uh, a number of us had had gotten together to talk about the Washington, D.C. jazz scene and documentation. And uh, the the two editors, uh, Blair Rubel, who's uh, been with the Wilson Center for a number of years and actually wrote a a fantastic book about seven or eight years ago called uh, uh, Washington's U Street, A Biography. And uh, when that book was published, the Wilson Center uh, asked me if I would do a, a program with him at Busboys and Poets, and that's how we hooked up. We did, did a lot of material together. He and, and another friend of mine who had, had a, uh, a residency at the Wilson Center, Maurice Jackson, who's been a longtime community organizer, and that, quite honestly, he was, he was the, the Communist Party representative in D.C. when nice. I met him nice. about 35 years ago. When the party fell apart, uh, he went back to school and got a Ph.D. from Georgetown University. And, Just a little thing. And, right. right. And then be, smart guy. And then the, Georgetown was smart enough to hire him as a <laughs> professor of history. So the two of them approached the Washington Historical Society, and we published a journal. And, and the, the, the whole journal was devoted to jazz in Washington, and that's what I, I wrote my, my chapter for. It was a, uh, the, my, my contribution was the article to the journal. And uh, uh, when the journal sold out, we wanted to get them to republish it. And they, they said, well, if you fund it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Maurice had already funded the, the earlier one with a, with a grant from the widow of Ahmed Erdogan, the, the founder of uh, Atlantic Records. So he said, uh, no, I don't think so. He, he went back to Georgetown. And uh, they agreed to, to publish it as a book with an expansion of articles. Oh. So the original journal... Was, ad, was, was, was added by, by really critical chapters. One was on the University of the District of Columbia by Judith Corey, who's, who's been there actually from the prior institution, Federal City College, hmm. writing about the important music program that UDC is and how, uh, you know, how it developed and, and the contributions it made to the community. And um, coincidentally, that's where I, I teach jazz history now. And uh, another chapter was added on the program at Howard University and going into the history of Howard and how initially the, 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 the superb music program would not allow you to play jazz even in the band rooms wow. and how it took student activism in the 60s to really expand the, the, the areas of, of scholarship 
at, at the university, and, and, and Dr. Donald Byrd was one of the, the first to direct that program, but others came in to really solidify it, uh, including uh, uh, Art Dawkins, and, uh, and who actually worked at, at UDC before he went over to, to, uh, uh, to Howard. So those chapters were added. And then there was another chapter on women in jazz. And the chapter on women in jazz included someone who I already covered in my chapter, but not to the depth that, that, that is covered in this chapter. And that, that's Shirley Horn, mm -hmm. who uh, lived in this neighborhood uh, right here on yeah. Lawrence Street. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people don't know that. But. Right, right. And so I, I talk about Shirley uh, in my chapter also, focusing on, uh, on the neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, no, your, your chapter uh, absolutely reflects your, your narrative style in that you know so much and you're so generous about sharing it. Mm. And so this, this chapter that you've, you've contributed is, is just no less than a, a history of, of uh, jazz in D.C. and particularly in this neighborhood. And, and all of the names, mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. of the famous sure, sure. folks. That so were when, they, when they asked me to, to do the article, I, I started more or less a you know, sort of scholarly approach. It was a you know, scholarly journal. And I said, no, let me, let me make it more like a memoir. How I came to become interested in jazz, and since radio was the focus, I talk about hearing jazz on the radio as a kid growing up in Greenwich, Connecticut, and really delving into the music and hearing live music with my, my high school buddies you know, how we would take off to New York City or one time even going up to, to the Newport Jazz Festival, having told our parents we were spending the weekend at each other's house, you know. and, and Sneaking that, off to the festival. Away, right, across the state, you know, hours away, you know, <laughs> and seeing people like uh, John Coltrane perform, mm -hmm. you know. And, and I relate how I uh, took my, my albums with me to, to uh, Georgetown University here in Washington, D.C., and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. actually was delving into the, the local scene early on, uh, listening to Felix Grant on the radio and, and going to the Bohemian Caverns, mm -hmm. where I was uh, at the caverns when just, you know, coincidentally, when I went there, there were, there were recording trucks outside, and Ramsey Lewis was performing. Wow. And so Ramsey Lewis recorded The In Crowd, which became a big hit in mm -hmm. the 60s, and I'm there clapping in the background of, of that song. And <laughs> your, your first claim to fame. Absolutely, being in the audience. But uh, uh, it was by the time of my, my junior year at, at Georgetown, and, and again, very serendipitously, it's really, you know, it was something I didn't really seek out. I was in a, uh, a lunch, uh, lunch restaurant and bar, you know, where, where, where students would hang out, and I'm sitting at a table drinking beer with some friends, and uh, there was a... a a young man standing at the counter ordering, and he had jazz albums that he was holding on with one hand. And there's a whole thing about jazz fanatics, and see, we want to see how hip somebody is. You know, what, what, what do they have? What are they, you know? And so I asked him about, well, what are some of the other, I saw the cover of one of the albums, what else do you have? And he was showing off what he had, and, and uh, we engaged in a conversation about the music. And he said, well, I just played this on my, my WGTB radio show, which uh, I have to give up to take a class. Do you want to do it? Ah. <laughs> wow. He said, well, come by next Monday, and I'll show you, you know, what to do, and, and it's your show. Nice. I just, you know, just stumbled into it. So I, I, I 
did radio on campus for a couple of years, uh, until I, a year and a half until I graduated, and I became a VISTA volunteer with a program sponsored by Georgetown University. And so I, I kept the show after I graduated. And as a VISTA volunteer, I encountered a community organization in the Adams Morgan neighborhood of, of Washington, D.C. It was called the New Thing Art and Architecture Center. And they had what they, what Topper Carew, the, the director of the program, had, he called it a jazz workshop, but it was a performance at St. Margaret's Church on Connecticut Avenue. And at St. Margaret's, people like Shirley Horn would perform. Roberta Flack, when she was not doing uh, Mr. Henry's, mm -hmm. would, would do something for them, you know, and uh, some of the more uh, uh, DC artists uh, that, that would, would play there. So I had Topper on my radio show. Oh, coincidentally, the most important part of the new thing, Art and Architecture Center, is I met a young woman who was teaching African dance. Mm. And so uh, Sandy Barrett and I soon lived together in her apartment on Fuller Street. And then in 1969, we got married. And uh, so next year, we'll, we'll have been married 50 years. Oh, wow. So, That's you know, great. Really so you found a job through your love of <laughs> jazz as, and as, a wife. And a wife. No, <laughs> absolutely. So, so Topper so much liked the idea of radio that uh, uh, American University came up with airtime for the institution in 1969. Uh, Sandy and I, when we got married, went to Europe for about five or six months. And by then, the, the show had pretty much well established itself on, on, on Sunday afternoons on, on WAMU with other announcers. But I got back into it. Uh, one of the announcers, uh, Ralph Higgs, had a late night show called The Other Side of Bro uh, Brother Ralph or something like that. And he said, we do the afternoon. So from like 70, 71 onward until they dropped the show in 1987, I was on Sunday afternoons on WAMU. And it was around 1972 when we moved into this neighborhood, into our house on Monroe Street. And right away, I'd, I'd met Bill Harris who had a house uh, on Hamlin Street overlooking the park. Mm. And every Labor Day, he would have a party. And he'd invite guitarists. And, 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 and at the first party there in, in, in the early, I guess, maybe 73 or something like that, I met Kenny Burrell mm. and, and other guitarists, Jamaican guitarist Ernest Wrangland, uh, who was fairly well-known, not as well-known as Kenny, of course. But it was that type of atmosphere in the neighborhood. And Bill's dream was to, to open up a, a club and, and the bar on, on the corner of, uh, at the intersection of uh, 18th and Hamlin and uh, Rhode Island Avenue became mm -hmm. available. So uh, Bill opened up a club called Pigfoot. Hmm. So that was that one. And, and it's around the this, this same time further up the street that, that your grandfather, Mr. Yancey, had mm -hmm. Mr. Wise. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. right across the street from there was another club called Moore's Love and Peace. And and so it's really uh, uh, you know happening spot. happening spot in yeah. the neighborhood. You, you can go one to one club to the other, you know, and really hear some great music. At uh, at Mr. Wise, I, I, I caught any number of, uh, of of great performers, and 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 sometimes people from out of town would come down. I, I know, remember one time John Hicks performed there, who was a, a, a pianist that's not as well. He's not as well known as he should be. Uh, you know, some decade after his passing, but. It was mostly mostly area artists that would perform there, making the making the circuit, 
at Moore's Love and Peace, there was a, a couple performing before they got married, Davy Yarborough and Esther Williams. <laughs> uh, Davy Yarborough went on to be a, a prominent educator uh, of music in this uh, community uh, at Duke Ellington School for the Arts. He, he just retired from, from their program there. And we mentioned Shirley Horn. Well, well Shirley Horn had a house right down on, on Lawrence Street. And she would play up at, up at the clubs here, Wise at Pigfoot. But then in the 80s and 90s, as a, when, when her daughter was old enough for her to, to, to get back out on the road, she got a contract with, with the Verve label, and they really pushed her out there. Mm -hmm. And so she toured the world. And as she became more famous, her income increased. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and rather than move away, she kept adding on to the house. Hmm. <laughs> As one does in this neighborhood. And yeah, <laughs> this is true. We have the room. Yeah, who wants to leave yeah, right. wants to so, in the neighborhood. So one yeah. time uh, 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 I, I interviewed her in her home, and she said, well, you know, DCRA won't give me any more permits. <laughs> <laughs> maxed for, out your for space. For folks uh, out there, that's a, the, uh, the, 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 the agency that, uh, you know, you, you have to go through to get permits to, to do any kind of work on your oh, house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I want to go by and check out that house now, see what it so, looks like now. So, uh, uh, actually, uh, uh, but she said, I finally accomplished what I wanted, and, and she put it over to the room that was big enough to hold a full grand piano. Oh. Mm. Okay. And... Just as coincidentally, you know, because we've been doing lots of book events for this book, uh, Wednesday night there was a, uh, uh, a salon at the, the Wasa T. Daniel uh, Shaw Library. And the guy, the guy who conducts it, uh, Mark Eisenberg, said, well, you have to meet my friend. He's living in Shirley Holmes' house. Oh. And, and Tom Pricken, I think his name is, uh, uh, I'll confirm it later, uh, Tom, uh, uh, was there for the book event, so we started chatting. He says he, he, he keeps up with me on Facebook and stuff <laughs> like that. But he's actually talked to the, to the, uh, uh, the family, and, uh, and so uh, he's planning an event next year. Uh, 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 Shirley Horn's daughter, Rainey, has visited him at the house. And so it's not something that's going to be neglected. I mean, it's really yeah. part the of the, the, the community and the memory and yeah. the history of, of it. You know, it's like uh, uh, the folks who live in uh, further up, uh, closer to 12th Street, uh, uh, in Sterling Brown's home, uh, uh, have made sure that 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 the history is preserved. Sterling Brown was a uh, professor at Howard University, who was also a prominent poet around the time of the Harlem Renaissance, hmm. and he lived in the, in the Brookland neighborhood. Uh, uh, I think I, I guess it was Lawrence Street. We do have a lot of history and a lot of jazz oh, history in this, no. in this neighborhood. What are your thoughts on, um, since you've been a lover of jazz for years and years, I think mm -hmm. nowadays they refer to all kinds of music as jazz. It's really not jazz music. What, what do you think about that? I'm, I'm very eclectic with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm, in many ways, you know, one of the, the, the purists in some ways, you know, maybe disparate smooth jazz or, or whatever, but... Mm -hmm. You know, there, there was always a continuum about the music, mm -hmm. and particularly with, uh, with black music, within the African-American community, and go back, uh, looking at how, say, popular someone like, like Louis Armstrong was, even as an authentic, important jazz artist in terms of his improvisational skills, he was also an important entertainer. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
the, the, the connections are, are really, really fascinating. When I was a student at Georgetown, I had a, a, a classmate, uh, Carolyn Jackson, whose brother played in the house band at the Howard Theater. And so she, she was Ambrose, her brother Ambrose Jackson, said, we've got to go see this, this group, and we cut class for a matinee. So Ambrose, playing in the house band at, at the Howard, and then, uh, you know, with the, the Soul Review acts were, were performing there, then later toured with Otis Redding. But when he moved to Europe, he was recording avant-garde jazz with Marion Brown, you know, doing stuff that's really cutting edge. Mm -hmm. So there's always been this, this continuum within the music. Uh, uh, you'll find jazz artists who have performed with uh, James Brown or, or, or with Ray Charles. So there's always been a, you know, a, a broad spectrum of the music, and, and it's, it's hard to categorize it as, well, this is pure jazz. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. isn't jazz all about experimentation? And, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, 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 absolutely. That's about the extent of what I know about <laughs> other than what I have gleaned from oh, Rusty. So, so, Rusty, your book, th this book is a new book, and mm -hmm. um, the, the journals that you did, when were those published? The, the uh, journal, I think, came out in 2014. Okay. And, and so it took a few years to get this, but already... Already, because the sales have been so good, they're looking at a second printing, mm -hmm. and to to add on some of the people who are neglected, we'll have an opportunity to insert into chapters some of the prominent musicians who, who may have been left out. That'll but be this great. was this is really just a start. It's just a start. Uh, Sandra Butler Truesdale has a uh, a, a, a volume that, that she's contributed to that that's coming out early next year. That's a, uh, an oral history of area musicians, and there are other things that need to be done to document the, 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 the music here in Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I grew up at my grandfather's nightclub and listening to different types of jazz music and just music in general, and there were lots of places around, and then for several years it seemed like they were closing, and which is really sad. I mean, we don't even have a jazz station anymore, really, outside of WPFW certain hours. Mm -hmm. Um, but now there seems to be a, another resurgence of, of jazz music, and mm -hmm. I'm loving it. Great, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're into it. Too. Oh, it's absolutely. Really I mean, in all the neighborhoods. I mean, we have really? Ajax here, yeah. Alice's Jazz. Alice's Jazz and Cultural Society, yeah. that's an absolute treasure, and, and that's something that, that, that really needs to be supported. Mm -hmm. And I notice that, that people fill it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really... And then places up and down U Street. So uh, what else do you do aside from uh, writing books and, and, and your <laughs> late nights on PFW? Well, I, I actually uh, I, I teach jazz history at the uh, University of the District of Columbia. Uh, I've taught at other institutions, including Georgetown, American University, and University of Maryland University College. But I'm, I'm really proud to be part of the program at UDC because they also have the Felix, ja ja Felix Grant Jazz Archive. And that's a repository for, uh, for, for recordings and for interviews. Felix Grant was the, uh, the, the, the nighttime host on WMAL in the 1950s and 60s and in, into the 70s. He had a program called The Album Sound. He uh, would interview every jazz musician who came through DC. They would drop by the studios. And as Things shifted, and, and WMAL dropped him, and he was on another station for a while. He and I were both on WDCU at the same time, in, in, starting in 1987. 
when W. Amy dropped my show, I came over to DCU, and Felix came over. And, and before he passed away in the early 90s, he gave his recordings and, more importantly, his interviews to the university. And other people have contributed material, and so it's, it has an online presence. Uh, we uh, recently hired Reuben Jackson, who was the archivist at the, uh, uh, the, the Ellington Archive at the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian American History Museum. And so it's, it's, it's really an important community resource, and so I'm, I'm so pleased to be teaching there with the, under the direction of, uh, of Judith Corey, who's such a great help in, in terms of what we do there. That's terrific. So, uh, what do you what do you see yourself doing next? Well, besides working with my wife in terms of going out to buy fabric for her quilts and all of that, <laughs> so, we, yeah, we, I mean, we, <laughs> Sandy is an artist in her own right. We're going to get her on the we'll show one of these days. Okay. She, she said, "Well, how am I going to talk about?" quilts when you can't see them on the radio, but you could be very descriptive. Yeah, you know, she's, she's going to talk about you know, her inspirations right, for these quilts. Absolutely, man, Has right. she done the uh, Fall Fest? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I've seen the quilts. They're beautiful. They are, yeah. and yeah. She's, yeah. she's got them in um, in the... Uh, uh, the gift shop of the American uh, African American History and Cultural yeah. Museum. Yeah, and I was, that was, uh, was trying to get all the words in the right, right order on no, that. It's, it's <laughs> such a thrill for, for her to, uh, to, to be in the, the museum gift shop. Yeah, you she's know. had a she's had a couple of Hillwood exhibits, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, I mean her quilts are are they aren't to call them a quilt is is to really shortchange them. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's 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 fiber art, you know, and and she creates uh, material that you know her her art is to be hung on the wall. She actually yeah. puts little sleeves yeah. in them so you can get a little uh, you know hang it with, with a little tube or whatever you know, mm -hmm. and it's it's really you know meant. It meant to be displayed rather than put, be put on the bed. She, yeah. just, she doesn't yeah. make those large quilts. Mm -hmm. No, her there. It's tapestry. Is, right, is right. more of what it Wall is. Art. It's, yeah. It is just beautiful stuff, and and everything loaded with uh, with historical perspective and uh, and and beauty. And you know, I jazz in D.C. I, I, I mean, what a what a parallel during mm -hmm. tumultuous times in D.C. Uh, and you've, you and Sandy have been through that all here. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's been, it's been really a, a, a fascinating time of life that I've had. I had a whole other career as a union representative for, for uh, government employees with the American Federation of Government Employees that it was good to have steady income, have a job that I was politically comfortable with, and also had a pension tied to it. So that, <laughs> That's a plus. Yeah. And that now allowed that, you to do now, your jazz. Now that I've been... Uh, so I, I used to do my, my jazz teaching and radio and everything on, on top of the, 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 the day gig. But now uh, I, I, I don't have to do that other thing. I, I can just devote myself to the music and, and to whatever Sandy's needs are in terms of getting her art out. Yeah. And, and you know, to... To an earlier point about jazz seeing a resurgence, I, I think it's really um, a continuation of of interest in music at the former Mr. Wise, which is now the Public Option. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. You know the uh, the group, the Hamlin Street Diner. Yes, I've oh. heard of them. Mm -hmm. um, so this is no, a, I don't Hamlin Street Diner. Yeah, no, this definitely. is this is a group of folks that um, just some musicians that would just start getting together and jamming in their house on Hamlin Street. Okay. And people would come over 
and mm-hmm. it started to become a regular thing, uh, I think on Sunday evenings, that just a bunch of people would come over. Um, have a jam session. Have a right? jam session, and even more people would come to listen. And uh, it got so so popular uh, that DCRA told them they couldn't do it in their house anymore. Oh, uh, of course, good old DCRA. Yes. Uh, so they have moved into the public option now. Oh, on, okay. uh, like, I don't know how often on Sundays. Um, and they are drawing a whole new crowd of, of passionate uh, musical. And I think it's an eclectic, you know, it's everything from from jazz to um, bluegrass to uh, blues. So I, I, I love... I love that this corridor has seen so much music in its history and, and that there's uh, obviously... But it's still here in the right, present right. It's, and the future. A, and there's a hunger for you it. You mentioned earlier uh, Alex's Jazz and Cultural Society. And that, mm-hmm. That's a fascinating story also. Yes, we've had yeah. uh, him on our show before. We had DeAndre uh, Howard. We had DeAndre, had DeAndre, yes, DeAndre, we did. You know, uh, DeAndre you know, saw this building that Alice Jameson had, mm-hmm. and he said, well, I, I, I do construction. Yeah, yeah, well he, helped to, drum, yeah, yeah he helped to put so it together. So he put it all together and, uh, you know, made it a, a community. It's at, at uh, 12th and Franklin Street. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. storefront right there. They have a nice mural of, of Duke Ellington, Buck Hill, and Shirley Horn on, mm-hmm. on, on the front uh, of it. And every Wednesday and Sunday is, uh, is jazz from 6 until 9, and they've lately been adding blues on Saturday nights. So, oh, great. Uh, you know, so they're, they're so there's music, music to be experienced yeah, right here in the neighborhood. Right here in the neighborhood. So tell our listeners how they can uh, get in touch with you. Tell them the name of your book. The book is called D.C. Jazz, Stories of Jazz Music in Washington, D.C. Uh, Maurice Jackson and Blair Rubel are the editors. Um, it's available in, in a number of the bookstores that, that we've had events at. Busboys and Poets has in their book section, mm-hmm. Politics and Prose, Mahogany Books. Um, it's also available through any you know online thing like Amazon or whatever. Uh, it, it's, it's available through the online thing. Or I guess you contact Georgetown University uh, directly. I, th- I think we need to uh, maybe have a, a book signing. What do you think? Sure, I'd be glad to. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, think, uh, I think that'd be cool. Right up here at the library, uh, mm-hmm. get, get a bunch of your books together. And uh, if there's any of the, the other chapter authors. Contributors? Okay, yeah. we'll see. We'll, we'll work on that. Let, let's do Let's work and, on uh, that. Absolutely. I've, I've had some great uh, events at, at, at the Woodridge Library. Recently showed a, a short documentary that Resonant Records did on Shirley Horn. Mm. And uh, there, there are other documentaries about Black Washington that that that, that could be shown also. So and, we and, absolutely. And you know yeah. about the uh, the Bo Diddley um, uh, renovation of the um, the call boxes of the call boxes mm-hmm. oh, really? South Dakota and Rhode Island. Oh, is Avenue. that right? Yeah. Okay. So six different uh, call boxes on Rhode Island Avenue Main Street have been <laughs> renovated, <laughs> and the one at South Dakota and Rhode Island Avenue is in honor of Bo Diddley. Okay, who so lived go, in the neighborhood yeah. for a while. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So go check that out. Good history. Good. So tell our listeners how they can find you, Rusty. Well, they, they can uh, find me through Facebook, uh, Rusty Hassan, on Facebook, and mm-hmm. just message me. Perfect, and, and also yeah. listen to you uh, I'm on, on Thursdays. Thursday nights on WPFW from 10 until midnight. That's 89.3 FM. Yeah, that's some good or music. Or online at WPFWFM.org. Yeah. Nice. Great. Nice. One of the great local uh, 
just terrific. Stations. Yeah, you can listen to all kinds of uh, music that you can't hear anywhere. Well, that you can hear on the internet, but you can hear people talking yes. and, and yes. local people. So it's so it's important great. to have somebody who knows about the music to tell you about it rather than just streaming it. And Absolutely, it, not knowing mm-hmm. the, the context or the history of the music. Absolutely, and WPFW has been so uh, engaged in in the community in general. Yeah, you know, they're always doing uh, coat drives in conjunction with the tree lighting mm-hmm. uh, at Rhode Island Row and uh, lots of lots of other great projects that they take part in. So, uh, Rusty, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, thank you. Rusty. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, uh, it will wrap up this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a new show. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, we'll, t- we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.